On this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International, my guest is Christine Barber, the team leader for CMF's Global Scope Campus Ministry in Nottingham, England. We'll talk about her journey from being an exchange intern to launching a brand new campus ministry and the need to focus not on what you might lose by serving, but rather on the opportunities you will gain through this experience. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to the Fellowship. Why in the world did you go to Birmingham, England with GlobalScope as an exchange intern? Like, where did that come into the picture? I mean, yeah, so you have both feet in the door. You're doing both things. You're going to the Thursday night Bible study, and then maybe later Thursday night, then you're going out with your friends. Why in the world did you go to England? So two parts. One mm-hmm. is that I think I was just unsatisfied with where I was, like, mm-hmm neither path was like, or like the combination of trying to do both, I guess, was not really doing it for me. Um, And then also I had somebody, a counselor that I was meeting with at the time, Mm. actually um, just brought it up one day and was like, have you ever thought about doing Global Scope? Uh, I grew up going to Southwest um, Christian Church. Uh And so I was meeting with Judy, who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, works alongside Global Scope and yeah. CMF. And yeah. so she, I knew about Global Scope. I had heard, you know, stories of missionaries that mm-hmm. Southwest had supported and they had come back and told about their years, yeah. um, your yearly recap. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for me, it was a combination of not enjoying what I was currently doing and someone mm-hmm. just proposing a different option for yeah. a season of life. And I jumped on the opportunity. You needed that that kind of wake up call, that shaking of what you had known uh, to do something different to actually get on a different trajectory. Uh, that's really interesting. Had you ever done anything international up to that point before, as a girl from, you know, what you said, South South Georgia? I mean, South Atlanta area. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I never. I never had traveled outside of the states when wow. she first mentioned it just proposed it you know that's a now that's pretty amazing that she thought not only should you check this out i mean she knew your story and that you had never been outside of the united states so that was a pretty big move for you to think about leaving what you had known uh but leaving your country altogether to go spend a semester but what stretched into a year is that right as an exchange intern Yes. And I did know the couple who were leading the team at the time. Oh, okay. So that helped. Yeah. Um, it was Natalie and Robert Braden and okay. Natalie had been one of my interns in youth group. And so I already had this relationship with yeah. her, which is why of all of the global scope locations. That's okay. That, that felt like the natural connection for you. Oh, that yeah. is so cool. So she had been, was she like a college intern for your youth group at the time? Yeah. Uh, um, well, like previously. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like uh, before uh, when you were in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. So as a college student and then so you were familiar generally with her story and where she was. Um, and that was probably the, the most compelling part of you going to the UK and going to Birmingham specifically was that Natalie was there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Well, 
how did your family, your friends, you know, your friends probably knew you're, you have one foot in both doors. How did they respond at that time? What year is this? Is this 2008? Uh, no, this was 2010. 2010. When I decided to go. Okay. How did they yeah. respond to this? Were they excited, accepting, or were they kind of like, did you join a cult? What's going on, girl? Why are you going, why are you going to England, do missions? Why, how did they respond? So my family knew about Global Scope because of the church okay, yeah. connection. And so they were supportive mm-hmm. um, of me going. They also knew the Bradens. And so that was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And then friends, I don't remember really any specific reactions. I think like because studying abroad is kind of a standard part yeah. of yeah. college for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. I think that's probably what I said. I don't think... I said like, oh, I'm going to go do mission work Mm -hmm. in Birmingham because to be honest, that wasn't why I was going. I was going because it was a different experience and I could escape from my current reality and go to England. And I think that Mm -hmm. I probably romanticized that. And I think my friends (laughs) probably did too. They probably imagined I'm just going to surround myself with people who have awesome British accents. (laughs) That's right. And drink tea and have a great time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that they probably were all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that is the great thing about the exchange internship is that we get a pretty wide variety of people at different points in their faith journey. Uh, coming and serving as an intern. Um, but I want to hear more about this, but they often, for much like you, have some experience or a series of experiences through their exchange internship that actually lead them to a deeper place in their faith. Um, so that is one of my greatest joys in helping uh, recruit people to exchange and seeing how, how God uh, uses that time uh, to change their life. So when was it fall 2010 when you went to the UK? You went to Birmingham. Correct. Tell me about those first couple days, weeks, or months. Like everybody thinks, oh, it's an English speaking country, you know, no big, no biggie. Uh, you know, you're, there's no culture shock, there's nothing to get used to. But I'm guessing that's not the case as an as a study abroad uh, exchange intern with CMF, but then even now as a missionary with eight years of of service with Global Scope, you you probably have got your fair share of like cultural moments and everything else. But uh, so that those first days and weeks as an intern, what what was it like? Was it was it genuinely shocking? So it was. I had a really interesting experience because the team had tried to buy the campus house, the mm-hmm. the space that they were using for canvas and it had fallen through. And so like we, like several weeks before term was going to start, they needed to find a new place mm-hmm. to exist. Okay. And so I actually went over early and start and babysat for the Bradens <laughs> um, so that nice. they could devote all of their time yeah. to finding and fixing up a campus house before term started. So I was staying in their spare room for the Mm -hmm. first month or so, Mm -hmm. and they were the only people, them and the team were the only people I knew. Okay. And so, yeah, it was a really interesting experience. I felt super disoriented. Like I remember Mm -hmm. the first time I left their house by myself, I'm like, I don't know anything (laughs) about this area. Like, I don't know where I'm going. The cars are driving on the wrong side of the road (laughs) that I'm used to. And it was just, it was bizarre. I bet. I bet. Was the accent, what's the accent like around Birmingham? I have personally never been there before. 
Is the accent hard to pick up on? Or did you find people even like giving you a double take of like trying to understand your American accent at times? I think that most people in England are really familiar with the American accent and yeah. don't typically have a problem or are Holly not. Hollywood helps that, I guess. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. They watch a lot of American television and stuff. And so I think for me, most of the people that I encountered, I could understand as well. I think the Birmingham accent uh, it's not the nicest of the mm -hmm. British accents. And I think really strong ones um, may be challenging to understand for some people, but I don't remember really struggling very yeah. much. So then for you, the culture shock was just everything is opposite, <laughs> opposite driving. Uh, you know, it, it's supposed to be English speaking, but it doesn't quite fit with what my life growing up in Georgia was like. Yeah, what I typically tell people about culture shock in England is that it's not like immediate, you step off the plane and it's mm -hmm. like, it's a completely different place. I think your natural instinct is to point out all of the similarities between mm -hmm. England and America because that makes it more comfortable. Yeah. But as you go on, you're confronted with a million little differences and those mm -hmm. little differences add up and end up being the things that you okay. have to slowly but surely get used to. Yeah. So it definitely, um, it, it's apparent over time. Yeah. Well, so you, did you, when you made your commitment to serve as an exchange intern, did you just make initially a fall semester commitment? Okay. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that. You were with the Bradens there early on. You helped the team in that transition period into their new campus house at the time. Is that still where Canvas Birmingham meets? It is okay, that's, actually. That's pretty cool. It's cool to see that that part of the legacy, and even in your own uh, story there with Global Scope. Um, what what did that look like for you in that fall semester? Is that you know you mentioned your faith going a little bit deeper? Was that during that fall semester? And then why and how did you make that commitment? And then to just stick around for the spring semester too. Definitely. So, I think for me the most surprising experience of that autumn term was I think I just had this idea of like working for a Christian organization, doing a missionary type thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing, but it was not what I d ended up doing, which was yeah. basically just developing relationships with university students, meeting them where they were and mm -hmm. loving them as they are. That's and awesome. To me, that was so much more accessible than whatever crazy thing I had imagined mm -hmm. previously. Yeah. And so in that relational development, in that coming alongside people and seeing like a, an actual change happen in certain students' lives, not even faith-based, just like them as an overall human growing yeah. and evolving um, as they're being loved, you know, mm -hmm. through canvas, like that to me is what made me realize I really care about this. Like this is, um, meaningful and purposeful. And, mm -hmm. um, and so several years, I think leading up to that, there had been one exchange student each year who had stayed on for the spring term. Seriously? And so I, yeah. And That's so I cool. had been talking to Natalie about it mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, like thinking maybe I'll come back. I actually didn't take any classes. So I had just taken the whole t semester off school. Okay. Um, 
and I just didn't have any classes that I could take online. And yeah. so, um, well, and and, did Kennesaw state even have an online program at that point or anything? Like yeah, that? They, they did have it going. Okay. They did, but I studied to be an elementary school teacher. And so oh. everything that I needed to do at that point in my degree mm-hmm. was like hands-on mm-hmm. teaching in a classroom. And I just couldn't do that in England. Okay. And yeah. so as I was talking to Natalie and also praying about whether or not I would come back, you know, I really wanted to, because you, you do all this hard work of meeting people mm-hmm. and then you leave after mm-hmm. three months, which is so hard, yeah. but I really felt like I wanted to know, like, this is what I'm, what I should be doing next. Mm-hmm. And no joke. I was at one of our Tuesday night events and, um, I was getting a drink and one of the alumni was in town and came up to me and was like, you know, every year somebody stays, you know, an extra semester. He was like, you're the one this year. Yes, I, that's awesome. Like, oh, that's interesting. I, that is so cool. I wish God would do that more often in my life. Just have somebody randomly come up after I pray and be like, hey, you're supposed to do this. <laughs> I know. I've been sent to tell you. It's go. the only time. And he had no idea that I was even considering it. Like yeah. it wasn't like we had talked about it. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that was it for me. I, wow, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So did you stay then over the Christmas break or did you pop back to the United States, spent Christmas with family and then went back for the spring semester? Yeah, I went yeah. home for Christmas. And okay. Back. Okay. So back into that spring semester, you know, with your like your man from Macedonia moment where Paul has, you know, gets called over, you get called back uh, for a spring semester sticking around Birmingham. And sorry, if I say Birmingham, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to, uh, but <laughs> I am an Okie. Right. Uh, so um, at what point, what d- did you start thinking, you know, this is this relational ministry thing is something that I feel like made for, uh, and I, I want to do long-term. Did that happen during that spring semester uh, or was it after coming back or, and did you regret listening to the dude and, and sticking around for that spring semester? How did that all play out? So I definitely didn't regret it. Yeah, I think that just with any kind of relationship or at least for me personally, I really enjoy a relationship as it's like growing and deepening mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so I think being able to continue to build those relationships. I'm actually spending Christmas this year with one of my fr- exchange student friends. Really? Okay. Yeah, we've That's spent fun. numerous Christmases together. That's cool. Um, her name's Moya, and that was how we became friends was my exchange student year. Oh, cool. Yep. What, where did she go to school? Where was she? Studying? She went to the University of Birmingham. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. How fun. Yeah, so... It was definitely solidifying mm-hmm. my love for Canvas, that term. But also I had always imagined my life growing up and living in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so I went back after my year as an exchange yeah. student and graduated from college. And that was kind of like when I needed to decide. Right. And I think it was le- Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, did you do like your student teaching and everything that that next year? So you were like setting yourself up to be an elementary school teacher in the Atlanta area, 
but you graduate and it was like, I need to make a, a decision because it was like, yeah, I could do this, but there's something else nagging at you a little bit. Is that how it was? I think I knew I had two options. I could mm -hmm. either teach or I could go back to England. Mm -hmm. And for me, I knew that it wasn't by accident that I knew about some random place called Selly Oak in England mm -hmm. and like cared about people specifically there. Yeah. I could have lived my whole life and never even known that place yeah. existed. Yeah. And so I knew that wasn't accidental. And I thought like, oh, maybe I should like explore that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then also I knew I could come back and teach anytime mm -hmm. and people say, you know, go do it while you're young, go live abroad yeah. and yeah. travel. And so I decided, okay, I'll do this for two years and I'll check that uh, box yeah. of Get that out of your system. <laughs> yep. And then I'm going to go right back to my Atlanta game plan that nice. I have always had. <laughs> and now- Eight years later from that, you're uh, still sitting in the UK doing yeah, ministry. Yeah, that didn't actually go to plan. <laughs> so, okay. At what point then did you make that decision? So we're looking at, is this like 2012 that you're making these decisions, thinking this through? Is that right? Yep. So I had yeah. three more semesters. So I graduated okay. in December, 2012 mm -hmm. and actually Natalie and Phil were talking. Mm -hmm. um, and Phil called me one day and was like, Natalie Braden told me that I need to call you until you definitely decide if you're going to do like go back to canvas or not. Okay. And so um, I told him, okay, give me a couple weeks. Like I'll think about it and get back to you. And during that time, <laughs> I remember my dad saying, I don't know why you're taking two weeks when you already know the answer. Um, <laughs> Everybody have, in your life knew uh, you just needed to make up your mind. <laughs> yeah, I definitely knew that I was passionate about uh, working at Canvas and like mm -hmm. loved it. I think it is a risk though. Like it's it's yeah. such a big decision to decide to leave behind your mm -hmm. family, your friends, your community, everything that you have known your whole life. Yeah. Even and like go, you said, your, your own dream for what you thought your life was going to look like, you left that behind too. Definitely. And it's different, like going for a season, like a mm -hmm. semester or two is like, oh, it's fine. You can do anything in that amount of time, mm -hmm. but to actually like relocate and like need to establish more of a personal life, like it's a, it's costly. And so yeah. I think like in some ways, like I was afraid of saying yes to mm -hmm. something that I think I knew was going to be more than just like hopping over to England for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Especially because even your internship year, you even popped back over for Christmas to be, to be with family. So it wasn't like you had spent the full year there. Uh, you had had some back and forth even in the midst of that time. So I can see where it seems way more intimidating to say, all right, this is going to be my life. I'm going to get rooted uh, in this place for at least two years. Mm -hmm. What was the final convincing thing? Was it that call from Phil? Was it continued conversations with Natalie? What what finally made you say, all right, it's worth the risk uh, to step out and do this for two years? I think for me, it was like, I just didn't want to have any regrets. I didn't mm -hmm. want to be one of those people, you know, 30 years down the road that was telling some other younger person, like, yeah. you know, take advantage of this opportunity. Looking back, I just really wish I had, you know, taken opportunities that I had to live abroad or to mm -hmm. whatever. 
And so I had that like little voice in my head. Um, and so I just thought like, why not give it yeah. a shot and see, see what happens. I love that. I love that. Why not? Uh, so many times people get stuck on just why, why go, why you go do this and flipping it and saying, why not go do this and not, and saying, I don't want to live with those regrets. Uh, what a powerful way uh, to have your story marked uh, like that. Let's dive into this first term of service in Birmingham. You show up after celebration and you're not an exchange intern. You're not planning on going back to the States anytime soon. What was it like? How did it go? Was it overwhelming in some ways to be like, oh, wow, okay, I've been raising support, but this is now my life. Uh, I am here to stay. How did, how did that go that for this first months, this first, that first year? Yeah, I would say it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Being without just all of those home comforts. Mm -hmm. I think, like I said earlier, it's different to just visit somewhere and to have like an adventure. Yeah. But to know, like I left that stuff behind and mm -hmm. like, I'm now here in this like, wilderness uh, mm -hmm. where there is like nothing, you know, no mm -hmm. community. I don't really know my job role at all. I don't have any family. I don't have a church I go to. Like I don't have friends. Right. And so I think, yeah, there's a lot of like stripping back mm -hmm. that happens in that process. And then I'm just left with me. Yeah. You know, and so that's really uncomfortable to, yeah be confronted with that. And you're surrounded by strangers all the time. They're the people you hang out with, like your teammates mm -hmm. or your coworkers, but also they're your friends because yeah. they're the only people, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, the team had just gone through a really difficult season. And mm -hmm. so like entering into a team dynamic on the back end of that was not easy either. Um, I got locked out of uh, the Sanders house one day in my pajamas, uh, which was terrible. And I had to go to my team leader's house and get in your him. PJs, like walk yeah. to his house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't super far away, but yeah. yes. What um, time of year? Was it cold and miserable? Uh, uh, no, it actually wasn't that bad. Oh, that's good. Because I had arrived in the summertime. It wasn't too bad, <laughs> but that was definitely a low point that yeah. uh, marked my my first few months. Were you so. also barefoot? No, I was wearing my slippers. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say barefoot in your PJs. I think people would start worrying for sure. At least you had some form of shoe on. <laughs> yeah. How in the world did you end up outside? Did you go get the mail or something and got locked out? No, I think it was like a delivery person mm -hmm. or something. And the door on the house had one of those automatic locks. Yeah. Um, so if the door shut that was it. And so I was standing on like the front steps and the door just shut behind me. And <laughs> so that was the end of that. Oh man. It's a, when did that happen? That's in, you said in your first couple months of being, being in the yeah. UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably in August, if I had to guess. Is it, so. So was it one of those moments where you just felt like you just keep getting hit with something like whether it was a cultural moment or you get locked out of the house is like, okay, I'm, I'm getting beat down a little bit in this experience. 
I don't know if I felt that way in that mm-hmm. moment. I think mm-hmm. that I probably was just frustrated. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this has, you've got to be kidding. Mm-hmm. Who, who <laughs> did, how does this even happen to someone, you know? And um, then take the walk of shame all the way to the, to the team leader's house. Yep. Uh, and then he fun. had to drive me to the workplace <laughs> of the girl I was like, who was also staying at the Sanders house. And so she like came out in her nice like work clothes and I like walked over in my pajamas, like, thanks for your house. Oh, uh, that is so funny. So ridiculous. It, yeah. Makes for a good story now. Absolutely. Well, so stepping into the team, how many people were on the team at that point for canvas Birmingham there were four of us so the Holtz um Josh and Rebecca and then mm-hmm. the Sanders Abby and Derek and then me okay so Natalie and her husband had already moved uh, back to the United States at that point they had yep okay okay so you and I have had the opportunity to talk about team um team dynamics we even uh shared that as an episode of the fellowship podcast was those first couple of months, that first year of getting to know uh, the Sanders and the and the Holtz, was that and, and talk working through friend, family, and coworker. Was that when you started uh, kind of honing this concept of th- those three areas of what a team is? And is that when you started formulating even some of the views and ways that you now have your team functioning and working in Nottingham? Was it in those early days? I don't know. I'm sure there were tidbits from those Mm -hmm. early days that Mm -hmm. I have carried with me. Um, But for so much of that initial period, I felt like I was in like survival mode. Mm -hmm. I had a limited Canvas experience as an exchange student. So I had really no idea what it meant to be a teammate, but I wanted to contribute to the team, but I didn't really have anything. Yeah. And then it's like, you don't know these people. And so it feels really exposing and vulnerable to like speak up in meetings. And um, we all, the Holtz were transitioning off the team in January, which okay. meant it was just me and Abby and Derek. And so like I became the exchange student coordinator my okay. first term on the field. Wow. And so then I was like leading people, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was yeah. a new experience in a Canvas world. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely learned things um, like I can remember specific things, even thinking about back about it now that like stand out. But it wasn't like those three things were established about Mm -hmm. team back then. It's kind of like over all of the years, it's kind of distilled into this. Yeah, yeah. Being the most important. So at what point did you become the intern coordinator? Are we talking like you get you got back from celebration and they're like, hey, guess what? You get to be the intern coordinator type thing. Yeah, oh, basically. It's like in July, at the end of July was celebration. And then in September, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, is when they the exchange students arrived. Okay. And so mm-hmm, it was a fast turnaround. I had no idea what I was doing. But like, see, that experience is important because then it's like, okay, I can remember having the opportunity to do something that I felt like I was not qualified for. So like yeah. now, you know, being on this team, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. when new teammates come, it's like, it's okay if they have never done it before or yeah. they feel unqualified or whatever. It's like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? And I... Yeah. 
know that because I have been in <laughs> the, that position. It. Well, and I yeah. love too that it you didn't become bitter in it or even become frozen in it. You just saw it as a challenge to step into. And now you're better for it. And you can recognize that for new teammates, they're going to be better for it too. So that, that's pretty powerful that you can reframe it that way. That's really cool. So at, at you're the intern coordinator. I'm guessing a lot of your experience as an intern fed into what you were encouraging them to do. Um, were you also a part of the teaching team or did you step into teaching opportunities ever when you were in, in Birmingham? How did that play out? I think I probably did. I mm -hmm. don't remember exactly if I spoke that term, but I imagine I did because Josh and Rebecca, like I said, were transitioning yeah. off. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of things where I was like, and we need you, you yeah. know, to, yeah. to play this role because like there aren't that many options. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I can't remember exactly when I first started speaking. When, how many interns did you guys average those first couple of semesters? Do you know, was it just like one or did you have like six or something crazy like Spain where they had like 18 at one time? <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. No, we had three that first okay. semester, mm -hmm. which was nice because um, it created like a little group of um, exchange students that could kind of journey with mm -hmm. one another. So you talked a minute ago about feeling like things, your comforts were stripped down, your knowns were stripped down and you had to just be you what were the things that became like life giving to you in those first couple of years of, as a missionary uh, in Birmingham? Were there some things that became like life sustaining for you? Definitely. I think going back to the picture of the wilderness, mm -hmm. one benefit of the wilderness is that when things start to grow, you most likely are not going to miss them because there's not much yeah. for, nowhere for them to hide. <laughs> and so I think similarly, like anything where my life that like allowed my life to start to be established in Birmingham was so encouraging mm. in that time. So like finding a church to go to and like having a regular, regular rhythm where it was like, this is where I'm going to be, you know, on Sunday mornings or yeah. the first time that I went for coffee with a person that was not on my team. And that was actually a Brit who I had gotten to know enough to where it was like, we're going to hang out together. Yeah, um, That was huge. And, so, and it was friendship, not, not a student, not for ministry. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything yeah. like detached completely from canvas that mm -hmm. I could do on my own was so, so important um, in that time. So that's, that's just great. That's great. You're setting setting us up. Is I that's the one thing I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast is that you have served on two different global scope teams and have I, I did talk about you're the current team leader for the, the Nottingham team, but literally you were on the ground floor of helping that that thing take off. Uh, so that's interesting uh, to hear that as you decide to extend your service, the team and and CMF and the global scope. Uh, steering committee, I'm guessing, and, and Phil, we're looking at, okay, how can we branch out into a new area uh, within the UK? 
um, that's that's really interesting that that coincided like that. It's kind of like you as an intern, somebody walking up uh, and saying, "Hey, you should do this." It's you, someone's walking up to you as you're raising support and says, "Hey, maybe you should go be a part of starting a new new canvas." Oh, that's cool. So when did that happen? Did that happen when you were on furlough? That you hear you heard rumblings of this within Global Scope that we want to start a second canvas, um, or was that a vision within your team? that was brought to the greater global scope uh, kind of strategic planning? So that second term I was on the team, it was me and Abby and Derek, and mm -hmm. we didn't have a team leader for that semester. We okay. decided Phil would Skype in and be our team leader. Mm -hmm. And that would give us an opportunity to get to know each other better. And um, Derek or I were going to be team leader. And he ended up being the person that became team leader that year. And so in the autumn of the next year, we had quite a lot of people planning to come work at Canvas. And back in the day, Canvas had a team that was like 14 people large. What? Uh, that wow. was when I was an exchange student. It was 14 people and we had seven exchange students. Holy cow. That's crazy. It, yeah, it's not the best uh, yeah. situation. And so I'm pretty sure they people had decided, like, we're never letting that happen again. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of spurred on this idea of like, okay, we have a good bit of people in the pipeline. Either we're going to cut off applications or we're going to expand. And I think Phil and Derek had talked about it and decided, like, why not let's just pursue it and see what happens. Yeah. So I was in a meeting with Derek and he was like, hey, so... Uh, talk to Phil and he would like us to consider, you know, starting a second canvas and he'd like you to be the team leader. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, so what, that was, that was I mean, a lot. How did you feel like in that moment where you just completely shocked to think about one leaving, but then also two taking on like a leadership role or was it kind of a why not situation? Why not do it? So the hardest thing for me in that season was fully letting go of this idea of going back to Atlanta mm. because that was always in my mind. Yeah. I thought about England as this like detour yeah. to my Atlanta dream. And you so had your, you had your Atlanta contingency it was the plan B or maybe it was plan A, but you're on a little detour and you're going to get back onto plan A at some point here in the next year or so. Exactly. And so yeah. At that point in time, it was like a fork in the road, mm -hmm. you know, moving to another location, helping start a canvas, mm -hmm. um, you know, requires a different level, I think, of commitment and ownership. And so, like, yeah. I either was like all in there mm -hmm. um, or I, I was going to go back to Atlanta. Like mm -hmm. I had decided for some reason, like I couldn't imagine staying in Birmingham knowing that I had the opportunity to like lead this other team. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, I'm either all in staying in England, moving to a new city, which was unbelievable at the time, mm -hmm. or I'm going to go, I'm going to pack my bags and go back to Atlanta. Okay. So that became the crossroads. It wasn't, I'm going to stick around Birmingham a little bit longer. It was yep. either Atlanta or Nottingham at that point. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what was the convincing moment? Was it just recognizing again, the, Hey, I, I got to go do this. I'm going to regret uh, not stepping out into this opportunity. What what finally led you to say, no, I want to be the team leader uh, for launching this new campus ministry in Nottingham? I think it was people 
encouraging me and like mm-hmm. speaking life into me and saying, like, I remember Erin McDade came and visited that mm-hmm. term and we went for a walk. And I remember her specifically telling me like, you can definitely do this. Like you yeah. have what it takes to lead this team. Um, and I think, yeah, I just needed, I needed that extra push of confidence mm-hmm. in order to be able to like take another step on this journey of like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm so not qualified for this job. Yeah. Um, I think it's so easy to feel that way at times. Um, but having other people like remind you of the things they see in you and mm-hmm. what you're ab- your, your abilities are, then I think that is, that's what gave me the confidence. That, that final push to, to move forward in it. Yeah. I, I say it time and time again, people, uh, just don't recognize the impact that they have on other people speaking at certain times, those words of truth into another person, or even those words of belief, like, <laughs> I know you have this potential. You might not see that potential in you, but this potential exists in you and you need to step into it. And it sounds like Aaron and others were doing that for you right at the crucial time to help you step into that, that ministry. So was it all on you at that point? Like, Hey, okay, Christine, go to Nottingham, figure it out, uh, go start a ministry or did, was a team forming too? Like, how did that play out? So the next step in Nottingham wasn't a thing at that point in time. Oh, okay. Step one was like, Hey, lead a scouting trip. And I was like, where? And I was like, pick two places and go there. Mm-hmm. And so I had all of England and two <laughs> slots to fill. Wow. So, yep. We ended up deciding on Nottingham and Leeds and we planned mm-hmm. a scouting trip. And who came and was a part of that scouting trip? So it was uh, me, Derek, who was the team leader in Birmingham yeah. at the time. Pete Horrocks, who mm-hmm. is a Canvas trustee and was one of the original uh, students to get baptized at Canvas Birmingham. Okay, cool. Um, Robin, who was one of the students on that leadership group that I met originally, who mm-hmm. um, became a believer through Canvas. Mm-hmm. And then two people who were um, thinking about joining canvas uh full-time or i think matt was committed matt hawkins who is a part of the nottingham team and then ashley ducart who was like i'm checking it out she -hmm. had been an exchange student in birmingham my first term Mm -hmm. with me and so uh, i roped her in to come on the scouting trip but she was on the fence uh, for sure Well, before we dive further into the Nottingham piece, I'd love to know what would be some words of advice that you would give to someone who is exploring the missions thing, that's exploring doing campus ministry in an international setting. That may be similar to you, is an elementary ed major, never really traveled internationally. What would you say to them uh, to step out and try either exchange or to just attempt to do a two-year term of service. Do you have some words of advice uh, or any insight uh, from your own journey in those first years? I would say do it. 
Mm-hmm. I think from a person's perspective who's considering it, what they're thinking about is everything they would have to give up in order to do something like that. But I'm on the other side of that experience. And I can tell you that like the things that you are going to gain, you can't even imagine like the relationships that you're going to build, the ways that you're going to grow and change as a person, your view of the world is going to be transformed. Your relationship with God is going to be impacted. Like, You just can't imagine what kind of access you're going to have to different experiences by saying yes to an experience in another country and just getting like as a believer or wherever you are on your faith journey, I think just getting an opportunity where your primary focus is other people and you get to see like put into practice like actually focusing on, okay, what does it look like for me to like live out my faith for me to actually try and do some of the things Jesus did and like actually realize whether or not it matters or is it beneficial or what kind of impact does it have on people? I think having that personal experience, like you can't put a price on that. Amen. I love that. That's that's extremely powerful. And I love that you can speak that truth uh, into so many people's lives from your own personal experience. Thinking about the vision team then and Nottingham, how in the world did you guys pick Nottingham over Leeds? Uh, was it just a really bad experience at Leeds? And you're like, no, we got to go to, we got to go to Nottingham. What was the deciding factor there? So part of me always felt like Nottingham was going to be where we ended up. Mm. Definitely. I had like that thought. And then when we stepped on campus for the first time, like I just had like this excitement in me. Um, And to me, that was like confirmation of that original idea. Mm -hmm. And we also had several just like interesting, I would say like God moments or unexplainable moments. Like while we were in Nottingham, for example, we were on the bus driving to campus talking about like where we were going to meet this person. And we step off the bus and this student was like, hey, sorry, I overheard your conversation um, and knew that you were going to and heard that you're going to this building. Would you mind if I show you where it is? Uh, which is wow. totally not uh, something that you would experience in British culture. Like yeah. very unexpected for somebody to initiate that conversation, mm-hmm. to admit they had been overhearing your conversation, like yeah. no way. Yeah. And so having literally like we step on campus and somebody's like, hi, can I show you around? And it's <laughs> like, this is insane. Yeah. Um, And then another time we were meeting uh, a student that I knew at the time who was going to give us a campus tour. And like we were all spread out the different people on the scouting trip. And Ashley ended up running it or like striking up a conversation with a random student. And it happened to be the person who really. Yeah. Uh Um, So it was just I think several things like that. And then, um, we all went on a prayer walk individually at the end. And I just encouraged everyone to ask God, you know, like where is campus 
two is supposed to be? You know, is it Nottingham? Is it Leeds? Or is it somewhere else? Should we just plan another scouting trip? And so we all wrote when we got back from the prayer walk on little pieces of paper and put them in the middle of the table and spread them out and opened them one by one. And it was six out of six votes for Nottingham. Wow. And so wow. we still have those in the campus oh, office. That, now that's cool. Do you guys like frame them or, so, or something? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. How yeah. Cool so <laughs> I think just getting to see, because in Leeds, like there were some people who definitely felt like this is where we're supposed to be. Hmm. Um, and so to have us all end up on the same page was like, okay, well, that's where we're going to go. Then. That's your answer. Wow. Yeah. Our first event was that Thanksgiving, and that was only because we had met enough students where we were like, we might as well just invite them to eat with mm -hmm. us. Like, and we hosted it in one of our houses. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's now become an annual thing you guys always do, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we definitely Thanksgiving has always been like a large Canvas and Global Scope event. And so yeah it was, it felt right to have like yeah. a large community meal together. That's so cool that that from the get go, that became the thing that uh, you guys were marked by and it can, has continued to be that. That's neat. Yep. And yeah. so that Thanksgiving, some student asked like, Oh, when are you guys doing this again? Or what's next? And we were like, uh, we don't know. We haven't planned that yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what it looked like to establish um, mm. Canvas. Matt arrived in the spring of next year. So our team had all uh, gotten to Nottingham at that point. And then it wasn't until the spring of the following year uh, in 2018 that we actually got a Canvas space. Okay. So we went a long time uh, without one, which meant that we had to be really creative. Yeah. Uh, what did that look like? What, what was created for you guys? Meeting in cafes, pubs, each yep. other's houses? Yep. Yes, um, to all of that. So uh -huh. we, our office on for our like Monday morning team meeting was mm -hmm. a coffee shop, mm -hmm. which is like right around the corner from my house. Mm -hmm. That was like my first friend in Nottingham was the person who owns that coffee shop because Co we were there. Coffee's so, always a good connection. I love so that. often. Mm -hmm. So that was our office space. Uh, we also met in a church for a while for our office. Um, we hosted a lot of events in pubs. Mm -hmm. We cooked all of our meals in crock pots um, mm. and would transport them like from the house that we cooked them in, either in an Uber or by mm -hmm. walking to the pub. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Matt says that was the worst part of his job <laughs> in that was season was having to crock pots. <laughs> yes. Um, uh. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like God was really faithful in providing for us in that time, like in different ways. And also by closing a lot of doors, we had mm. numerous leases. We were like in the process of, you know, writing and going through with um, that ended up falling through. And it was looking back at that. Those were definitely things we didn't need to say yes to. And so mm. um, I think we've ended up definitely in the right place. Wow. And so prior to COVID and 2020, you get a location. Did it instantly become a place to hang out, uh, a place to connect, or did it take some time to get some interest in students coming to that place and building the community there? 
we already built a community outside of okay. having a space. And so like for those students, like they just came. Mm -hmm. um, they, all of the stuff that you had done at the coffee shops, the pubs, the gatherings in various locations was already building that community piece. So then finally you had a place for that community to really belong. I just kind of, yeah. it's natural. Okay. Oh, wow. Man, I loved my conversation with Christine and I hope you enjoyed listening in too. My favorite takeaway from this time was her challenge to flip the script on things and to not always get stuck on why, but rather to ask why not and see what happens. And so that would be my challenge to you. What do you need to flip the script on in your life and ministry? Instead of letting why hold you back, I think we can all take a cue from Christine and say to God a lot more why nots when it comes to ministry opportunities and our relationships. Also, keep an eye out for my second part of this conversation that I have with Christine, where we focus in on leadership and her philosophy and practices of leadership. It is so good. And I guarantee you'll find something to learn or implement from Christine. Now, get out there and connect with what God is doing in the world around you.